Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. The Nova boys, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart, combined for 67 points, bury the Brooklyn Nets, ending a nine-game losing streak against the Nets. How far can they take the Knicks? We'll get into that and so much more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we want to thank you for being Locked On Knicks, your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, you know I am joined by a fantastic guest, Josh Bass, formerly of the Locked On Nets podcast uh, with yours truly, uh, now living a civilian life. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And Josh, man, it's good to be back on with you. Two years of shows, we used to do it on the net side. Um, and now uh, talking Knicks. And man, I could have I could have had you on uh, any of the last nine times the Nets played the Knicks, but it wouldn't have been quite this sweet. I know, man. It's uh, it's good to be back, but it really is like the, the twilight zone, I uh, remember everything I loved about doing these shows. I remember everything that I that drove me crazy about doing these shows. And unfortunately, it all culminates in the Nets getting uh, thrashed. So, you know, this might be the first the first time we do this in a while, but also probably the last, given the result. <laughs> maybe maybe we want to come back on for a Nets win just to just to keep it even. But for now, we got to throw up the tweet. Your hero, Nets Daily, heartbroken. Uh, I know I know that has to be tough to see since he's something of a mentor to you in the Nets <laughs> media game. I would um, love to be as I would love to be so passionate about anything as uh, as his <laughs> age. So it's great. Look, if you're if you're if you're tweeting in all caps about the Nets at age uh, 85, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to send someone over to you. But uh, the the story of tonight, not not the heartbreak of Nets fans, as, as sweet as that is, it is it is the uh, Nova boys, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. We'll, we'll start with Brunson uh, with 40 points. And uh, five assists, no turnovers, 15 of 21 from the field. So this was a historic night. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it up if you're watching on YouTube. Courtesy of Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. Per, per basketball reference, Brunson is the first Nick in the 19th player in NBA history to score 40 or more with zero turnovers and shoot at least 70% from the field in a game. Uh, Josh, I, I, I know because you hate them. Um, I assume you haven't watched a ton of the Knicks, haven't watched a ton of Jalen Brunson this year. Um, what, what did you think of his night when – Initially, it looked like Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton, first five, six minutes were doing a pretty good job on him. Then Joe Harris comes in. Brunson starts seeking him out on switches and and just kind of rolled from there. Yeah, I mean, Brunson, Brunson got going, and I think he's kind of had like a crescendo throughout the season. He's just gotten increasingly better. Um, but I've seen a good amount of Knicks games this year. I've been to a couple, and he's just, I mean, I feel like he's gotten so good, and his confidence is amazing. His handles is so tight, and he's going up against bigger defenders, but a lot of these guys just kind of like to stay at home like a dimwitty and use their length. So for him, when he can get them a little bit off balance, he can just go right by them. And between, you know, his hezzy, just some of the head and shoulder fakes that he was, um, he was doing, he had Joe Harris jumping out of his shoes a couple times. 
he just had a great game. And I wish the Nets were a little bit more aggressive with, with trapping him. But, you know, once that kind of second quarter rolled around, it was clear that he was heating up. Randall kind of, um, you know, let Brunson carry more of the load. And then from the second half on, he was just unstoppable. So it was a great performance to see because I do like Brunson, uh, even though he's a Nick. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, just having a ridiculous month. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the stats up on the screen. So these are actually his last 20 games, 30 points, four rebounds, six assists, 52% from the field, 48% from three, 82% from the line. And to me, that's the big development for him is, is having the pull-up three in his bag last year. It was a guy who was a fantastic spot-up shooter playing off uh, one of the best creators in, in basketball in Luka Doncic, but shot a pretty low percentage on self-created threes a year ago. And this year has has upped the volume and, and has had a dramatic increase in efficiency. That That is not typically how it goes, but has become pretty much unguardable now that you have to respect that shot. I mean, he, he was, he's just doing dirty stuff to, to Joe Harris. I'm attacking him on, I mean, back-to-back plays in the third quarter, got him with a, like, just pretty insane shot or, or, or excuse me, crossover um, off a shot fake, then a layup and the next possession, just uh, Harris sat back a little bit more, put a three ball in his eye. Um, he was hitting big shots at the end of quarters, hit a three to wrap up the first and hit another big three with 11 seconds to go um, in the third quarter um, when Cam Johnson just had uh, zero chance against him. And, and he's just shooting with so much confidence. Like, like there was, there was one play where he, he saw the double team coming and instead of just getting the ball out, like he, he just rose up and fired in the face of it. Um, and the, these last 20 or so games, I mean, we, we've seen a guy who, who's deserving of an all-star berth. Maybe if Jalen Brown is out, he'll end up getting it. Uh, but just, just hitting a new level and you combine that with the addition of, of Josh Hart, who, who for his, his second game as a Nick, his second straight game was, was fantastic, had a season high 27 points. The one concern with Hart, Josh, coming in onto this Knicks team was his three-point shooting. Not a concern tonight, four for six from distance, 10 for 14 from the field overall. What, what did you think of him and, and how he fits with the Knicks? Yeah, I've always liked Josh Hart. I mean, I think you know, four of six tonight, but he is kind of a streaky guy, right? He can have these mm-hmm. types of games and then a lot of games where he goes 0 of five, right? Or one for six. So I think he's someone that has played in a lot of big games. He feeds off the crowd, especially for him. Now that he's with Brunson going up against bridges, you could tell that he was just, I mean, I, I guess the last game going up against the Sixers, right? Like he's just, he's just fired up. And I think he can have, you know, th- those big moments, right. And taking um, deuces minutes, he can have those and ones and, and really just had I mean that one play where he drove to his far left and had kind of an off balance shot that Aaron Sharp fell on top of him and got that and one that kind of, you know, opened the game up. But I think he was just feeding off the crowd, especially seeing Brunson play so well. Um, he's a great pickup for them, right? I think he's going to be a really phenomenal player. He knows his role pretty well. Obviously you wish he was a little bit better of a shooter, but with Brunson shooting like this, um, I think he's another guy to feed off of. And, you know, he could be someone that plays 30, 35 minutes a game for them in the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, as much as I love someone like Deuce McBride, such an upgrade over him, but also just giving you an alternative when RJ Barrett's having a really poor night, obviously Emmanuel quickly has filled that role to some extent this year, but Hart gives you a lot more size at that position and is just so additive in, in, in so many different ways. I mean, I, I phrased it last game, like his ability to correct mistakes. And, and you saw it again this time, like where, where the Nets were, I mean, they had one play where they were about to get a run out, like a Hail Mary pass. And he, he looked like Ed Reed, like sprinting under it, tipping it to himself. I mean, you you noted the and one. Um, he, he really, I think, makes Isaiah Hartenstein a much more 
useful player where, where I heart early in the season, the Knicks were trying to use him as a facilitator and then just sort of gave him up on that. And they were like, all right, why don't you just go do a bad impersonation of, of Nerlens Noel and, and, and play like we want every center to play under Tibbs, but with the way Hart cuts and the way Hart runs the floor, like we, we haven't totally seen this yet, but I think there's going to be plenty of times where Hartenstein is, is kind of diming him up on, on these deep ball outlets. Um, and, and just the, the combination of him and IQ, I, I think is also like they're, they're kind of greater than the sum of their parts where, where quickly has really had to carry second units of late, especially as, as RJ has struggled these last few games. And the just just like this really simple plays for Hart, like there was one where Brunson was doubled. He threw it to Hart and it was just no hesitation redirecting to quickly for the right wing three. Super simple play, but just, just making um, IQ's life so much easier. So we, we can we can wrap up the the initial segment on this, but. Do you, do you feel like the Knicks, with the addition of Hart, have meaningfully changed their ceiling this year? I mean, just making the bench that much better? Or or do you think, like, whoever they run into in the first round, like, whether it's Cleveland or, or Philly, like, it, it's not going to make a difference against that type of team? Yeah, I, I don't think he changes their ceiling a, a meaningful amount. Um, he's definitely helpful, right? He's not a stopper, but he's a, a good team defender. He's a strong wing. But I think, you know it's not going to be, he's almost at the whims of how Julius Randle shoots in a series, right? Can he get hot? What happens with RJ Barrett, right? And I know we'll talk about RJ. So I don't think he's going to raise the ceiling meaningfully, but, you know, it probably helps them considerably get out of a, a plan. Um, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, really raise their chances of getting out of the first round. Yeah. And I guess that was sort of my hesitancy when they gave up a, a first round pick for him, right? It's like, all right, do you, do you want to do that for someone who doesn't change your playoff trajectory, but he's, he's such a good fit so far. And I mean, he was talking about the energy in MSG, the, the energy that he's bringing to MSG. And it, he just really very clearly rounds out this team, rounds out this bench unit. Um, and I, I, I think if, if they can get up to a five or six seed and get Philly's so tough with Embiid, but when Mitchell Robinson comes back, that's a little bit, of a better matchup and Cleveland, the Knicks are already two and one against this year. And I, I think that's a series against still, still a youngish team. They would have a chance to pull off the upset in, but uh, to do that, they're going to need RJ Barrett to start playing better. And we'll get into that in just a sec. But before we do, I have to tell all of you about one of our favorites here at locked on. It is FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes drained. Personally, I'm looking at R.J. Barrett's over-under in that Atlanta Hawks game. I mean, we've seen it all year from R.J. A couple of bad games, and then he, he explodes for 30 out of nowhere. I would bet on, on a big night for R.J., even, even if it's inefficient, even if he's forcing the issue a little bit against the Hawks. So uh, go put some money down on that. Plus, FanDuel, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel and a Official sports betting partner of the NBA. And with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Josh, I, I've, I've done nothing but torture you so far, making you say nice things about the Knicks. I'll, I'll let you, uh, let you, let you uh, maybe talk some trash, maybe, maybe surprise me with some optimism. Um, RJ Barrett, really, really tough one for him 
Uh, Mike Breen noted, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you're watching the S broadcast, but I just kind of cl- like clinched up when I heard this. Um, in the first half, RJ, 14 minutes, had no points, no rebounds, no assists, scored a quick four to start the second, and then kind of went silent again. And he, he had been relied on to carry bench units earlier in the year and, and, and had a really nice synergy with the bench guys in particular earlier this season. That has fallen off a cliff. Like there are times where I, I don't even notice that he's out there. And then with the starters, like it, it feels like the Knicks are so reliant on Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle to just do incredible things. And, and you just sort of reference this. But my concern is you get into a playoff series, one of those guys or, or maybe even both of those guys have an off night. Who's going to step up? And at least as of late, it, it hasn't been RJ. Yeah, um, it was a it was a weird game from him. I mean, I think I've I've watched a decent amount of Knicks the last couple of weeks. I've seen some of his his plight, but I mean, he's has a terrible matchup going up against the Nets, where they have a lot of strong wings or wings that can move their feet pretty well. And then obviously, if he's getting switched onto Claxton, um, that's just a really bad matchup for him. But he, you know, he was just kind of trying to use his strength, which just was not the right tack there. And, you know, he has his left-handed drive, but it just wasn't getting anywhere. And he was forcing the issue. I feel for him, right, because he kind of needs his, you know, he's going through some growing pains now, but the Knicks are in win mode, rightfully so. And he's clearly the third option on the team with with Randall and Brunson, I guess, flip that order ahead of him. And for a team that plays a lot of iso ball, get the right matchup and then go at you, he's just not going to get a lot of looks, especially with the starters. So I think flipping him with the bench guys would make a lot more sense, but he just seemed frustrated all night. I mean, he left the game early, at least on the Yes broadcast, they showed that. I don't know if they did on the MSG one, but was he just frustrated even though the team was winning? Like, what happened there? Yeah, I don't know. I, I figured there there might have been some kind of minor injury issue because they, they pointed out he ended the game back on the bench. Um, so maybe it was just, just a cut or something. But that, that was a little bit strange. And I, I think it's it, it's kind of like upside down world for, for Knicks fans where RJ's taking on some of the negative qualities you saw from Julius Randle last year while Randle like on, on the flip side like he he like threw like this bullet pass at one point to Grimes in the corner and Grimes fumbled it and and first 20 games this year you you would have gotten like bad body language galore from Randle that's just where you were like oh my god Grimes sucks this is miserable and, and you you would have you would have known it even if you couldn't read lips and and this game is just kind of like my bad that's on me um and not not that we're getting it to that extent from RJ but you see the frustration from his teammates. Like we're one game removed from Obi Toppin, like cutting and being wide open under the rim and like having like a meltdown when RJ just didn't see him for three seconds. And I, I think that's kind of my concern there. Like whether there's like some like resentment being built up for a guy who, who generally just tries to shoot through it. And like a lot of times has success. I don't necessarily think that's the case just because he's so well liked, but you, you, you're just hoping in, in year four for a little bit, bit more consistency from him. And after he had a great stretch of games after a horrific start this year, like the, the RJ roller coaster, like kind of just keeps on churning. Um, but let's, let, let's go on to Randall who um, again for the Knicks, like he, he has a very clear cut role, even, even as Brunson, like, like there was this, like Brunson was clearly the number one guy at the start of this year. Then there was a 25, 30 game stretch where Randall was clearly the number one guy that slipped again. Brunson's uh, we, we noted the last 20 games, he's, he's been the dude. And, and Randall, not super efficient tonight, 7-17, seven just 1 for 6 from 3, 18 points, 10 boards, 4 assists. But I thought in key moments early in the game, like especially like he got the first two buckets, just making a lot of tough shots for New York. Yeah, he, he kept them afloat in the first half for sure. And I think just the confidence with which he's taking these shots because he knows that he can hit them. I mean, I think his jump over the last couple of years has waxed and waned a little bit on fluidity, but I think right now it looks really, really good. He's getting to his step back. Um, 
And he's really learned how to play, I think, in this type of situation where it's just not as much bully ball. He's really just relying on his mid-ranger and his three-pointer. Um, but he carried the Knicks, you know, early on, and I think had the has just the confidence in his his place on the team almost, to, to your point, Gavin, that he was fine letting Brunson take over in the third quarter and fourth quarter and didn't feel the need to exert as well, right? You know, ending up with 17 shots for him, um, you know, is probably right where he is normally. But he wasn't forcing the issue at all. He's getting it in the flow of the offense, the way he kind of always does with his little ISOs and and, and mid post ups. So I thought it was a, it was a good game from from Day Blade, right? I would have liked to see a little bit more eroticism from him as a Nets fan, but he didn't force the issue. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a fantastic point because I mean, last like towards the end of last season, we, we saw a game where the Knicks got like a last second win over the Bulls, and he and he had a meltdown after right because it was it wasn't him doing it. And now it's Jalen Brunson's show, and I mean, as I noted earlier, all that bad body language is gone, and I, I think just his his basketball IQ is up in how he like kind of dictates what parts of his bag he goes to every night because this year, like he's mostly played kind of like Daryl Morey rockets balls. It's, it's been threes and, and a whole lot of dunks and like, and a, and a lot more bully ball actually than we've seen in past years. And he's kind of gone away from the mid range, especially since the earlier parts of the season, but tonight against the Nets team with, with so much length, right. With Nick Claxton, one of the best rim protectors in the league at the rim, he was like, all right, I got to go back to that. And for the second straight night, he was, he was hitting from there. Like I loved like him getting a mismatch on, on Dinwiddie and just kind of backing him down and getting to a short mid range, like, his pace and his patience is is just at another level. And even on a night where he wasn't super efficient, that that really shined through. And, and the same could be said, um, except for the lack of efficiency uh, part for Emmanuel quickly with 14 points, five rebounds, five assists. And 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 again, for quickly, like you look at those stats and you're like, all right, I mean, you, you were even saying it to me pre-show when I wrote down like big night in the notes, like, like not really a monster, monster night for him from a statistical perspective. But for me, it's, it's more about contributing at key moments, like at, at the start of the fourth, like the Nets were still very much in this game. And it was, it was quickly and hard kind of putting them away before Brunson came in and, and, and sort of set off the fireworks. Um, but back-to-back plays to start the fourth where he, he beat his man, got a lob to a cutting Obi top. And that man, Obi, Obi top and needed uh, so desperately because he he's, he's been really struggling um, the last few games. Um, and then got middle again, just blowing right by Spencer Dinwiddie and, and drawing a foul. Um, and I, I just I, I think you're seeing a guy who who went from kind of not knowing what he was supposed to do earlier in the year, who who has some real point guard attributes now in, in terms of knowing like when to go, when to get his own shot, when to set up a teammate and, and just always seems to be dribbling the ball with with a very direct purpose. Yeah, no, I think that was, you know, one of the biggest things I noticed is that, you know, quickly has insane range, right? He can get really streaky from three, but he wasn't taking as many tonight, right? He definitely had a couple times where it was maybe six or seven seconds left in the shot clock. He got one that was kind of in rhythm. He could have taken it, but again, he probed, found the better shot, kept moving the ball a little bit. And I think that's his maturation of a player. And when you combine that with someone that does have his innate scoring ability, his peskiness on defense, you do have the makings of probably someone that could be a low-end starter, but right now a really high-quality backup uh, for Brunson. And for this Knicks team, that you mentioned, Gavin, that has, you know, the second unit that, you know, with, with Toppin, who's probably not being used right, Hartenstein, who maybe needs a little bit more confidence. You have Hart coming in, who's stabilizing the ship. Between Quickly and Hart, that's a really good um, kind of perimeter duo to have off the bench. Yeah, uh, he, I, I, I just think they, they so clearly make each other better. And I mean, as much as Hart and Brunson are best friends, I, I, th- I think Hart and Quickly are going to be uh, best friends before the year is done. Um, real quick, let's, let's just go. Yeah, we have consensus for that Hart's going to, um, 
not take his player option. Yeah, I think he's going to, especially, I mean, if he, if he plays like this, but I, I think he wants more money. But the, the I guess the good news for the Knicks is him being a CAA guy. They probably have like the best possible intel on him wanting to stay in New York and, and knowing that when giving up the first round pick. So I, I think they will, they will figure that out. Maybe the Knicks they'll have to uh, give up uh, some draft capital to move off of Evan Fournier to get that done. But that's, that's a concern for another day. I wanted to shout out um, another really solid game for Isaiah Hardenstein before we, we wrap up uh, this part of the podcast, eight points, five rebounds. Uh, somehow it didn't feel like this, but somehow a team high plus uh, 29. That might've been saying just as much about Jericho Sims. who played the same amount of minutes, but was a minus 11, but that, that's continued to a, a trend over the last two, three weeks where Hardenstein has been the better of the two. And he, he committed a couple of reckless fouls, but, I, I thought found some really good ways to contribute on the glass, um, a couple of tippins, and and as as I noted before, I mean when, when when Brunson is going nuclear and you have another really good passer and cutter in Hart, I I, I just I I think you see more dimensions of his game opening up, and, and and in turn like like everyone like when he's touching the ball when he's finishing a little bit more, playing with more effort, more energy on both ends. Yeah, I like Hartenstein. I don't know. I think it might be because I went to the Sixers game a week or two ago and he probably got the wrong end of like 15 calls from the refs that were just mm. giving him heat everything. And yeah. the, just the look on his face was just someone who <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an NBA player. So sad, uh, mm. except maybe Dinwiddie after he doesn't get a call, but that's just more, more anger. Um, but I like, I like what Hartenstein can do. He right? he's, he's a big body. He, he plays within, uh, within himself and, you know, he's doing the little things and also he makes some nice passes. I think he had a, a nice, he caught a body at some point on someone in the fourth quarter. Uh, when I was uh, a little bit out of the game, just given how my nets were doing, but I think overall, right, he's a he's a good backup center to have. Um, does a nice job with the second unit, but you know, is he ever going to be someone that you want to play more than twenty minutes a game? No, but that's why you have Mitchell Robinson when he comes back from injury. Yeah, we are we are super duper excited for that. You, you could almost say the Knicks are uh, are hiring uh, Mitchell Robinson or rehiring Mitchell Robinson. If you want to hire someone, uh, there's only one place to go. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Josh, I'm I'm going to throw this to you because I, I know you're you're kind of you're something of a LinkedIn king. Um, how, how do you use LinkedIn? How has LinkedIn been good in your life? LinkedIn. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't. I use it a, a decent amount. I think I just like to troll my friends whenever they have like a random work anniversary that that pops up that they don't realize. Uh, but it's great to see what, what other people have going on, right? People that you, you know, knew from, from middle school or way back when just say, oh, you know, keeping tabs on, on people that way. So always a big LinkedIn user. I have a lot of friends that have gotten jobs through that. So definitely a, a phenomenal tool. Yeah. And you know what? Some of those friends, I mean, end up, end up being people you can, you can eventually hire. I mean, that, that's how I've always used it and, and reconnecting with people. And, and in turn, like it, it is, it is probably my top resource for finding new work. And there, there are a number of reasons that is true. Um, you can quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. And they have 875 million member profiles. So you're going to get the best applicants inevitably out of the biggest pool. Um, and you can identify quality candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. It is, it is the time everyone was waiting for. We are going to talk 
uh, some some Brooklyn Nets, maybe maybe a little shot and fraud, but also also a, a, a real a real conversation because I will I will say it when when hopefully uh, most people have stopped listening at this point. Um, I I love those Nets teams, Josh. When we when we covered them uh, together, uh, uh, Dinwiddle, uh, the hyperactive hyphen, of course. Uh, Joe Harris bombing threes. Um, Jared Allen in in, in his youthy youthy uh, dropping throwdowns uh, on a regular basis. Um, they, they were just a lot of fun, and they were greater than the sum of their parts. And my my initial instinct on, on these Nets is even even if they haven't quite found that cohesion yet. They're eventually going to get there. Like you and I were, were texting early in the game, like how incredible their potential is defensively with Bridges, with Dorian Finney-Smith, with Royce O'Neal, with, with Ben Simmons, if he ever gets it together. Nick Claxton, of course, a potential all-defense type guy. Um, but but what, what do you make uh, three games or so into this new era of Nets basketball? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of um, just a long learning curve here. You know, when, when Jacques Vaughn um, took the kind of interim, interim mantle, right, he – was coaching uh, a few superstars, right? That, that two became one and then zero in very quick succession. And we've seen how he did on rebuilding teams when he was with Orlando. This isn't really a rebuilding team. It's kind of a more of a retooling team. But I think he has a lot of, you know, new faces in the rotation. He obviously, even with the incumbent guys, still has the Ben Simmons um, conundrum and what to do there. And then also figure out how to slot in Joe Harris, who, you know, still is, it's a little bit, uh, there's still some trepidation there after, the whole you know injury last season and him being the goat of the Milwaukee series two years ago. So I think this team has some potential on the margins. I think the one thing that they're really missing, and we saw this tonight, is that they need kind of a, a steady the ship point guard, even like a you know Monte Morris type in Dimwitty spot would probably be a lot better because you need someone that can score but also mm-hmm. wants to distribute. And Dimwitty, we've we've known this, you know, when on his first stint with the Nets, is really a score first guy, guy that wants to get his and can get really hot and be, you know, he's not a bad passer. He just doesn't really do it as much as I'd probably want him to. Um, and can let just kind of how his relationship with the refs is going affect the rest of the game and just the team morale. So I think they can get there. They're just really missing that type of guy. I mean, there are other guards. Seth Curry, who's injured, is, isn't that guy. Cam Thomas is probably uh, someone who looks to score way more than even Dinwiddie. So there's going to be some struggles here. I, I think my big thing is Claxton is taking a huge leap forward. Um, but you really need a point guard that can continue to, to get him the ball and find him for, for lobs and, and it right inside when he's, um, you know, when the attention's being drawn to the shooters. And Dinwiddie's just not that guy. He's an absolutely terrible alley-oop thrower, even though he did throw a good one tonight, which Claxton botched. So, you know, overall, I think this probably is the makings of a team that will drop into the seven or eight seed, but I would be surprised if they fully, you know, fell out of the play and, you know, sub sub 10. So I think they'll be in the mix and maybe even a potential matchup with, uh, with the Knicks in the playing series, which would be very fun. Uh, that, that would be a blast. You know, maybe, maybe they just need to bring back like a Chris Chioza type to, to study the ship. Listen, or, uh, or the natural Mike, Mike James. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a ball legend, Mike James. Um, so I, 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 I threw this uh, your way while we were, watching the game but do you do you think there's a world where and i understand why nets fans will, will kind of be groaning at hearing this but where they make maybe not an all-in move but but some kind of star trade because they do have all these assets now and, and of course like they can't really tank because they they don't have their own picks or, or at least not every year they don't have their own picks and the rockets have swap rights with them in the years where the rockets don't have their pick um and they have all, all these assets and they have a team that is like weirdly like obviously not ready made to contend in the sense that they don't have a star 
But if you plug a star in here without giving significant talent back, like you have sort of like the perfect supporting cast. Like, and honestly, it kind of reminds me of what the Suns have had the last few years for the very obvious reason that you have two of their key pieces, but also like Claxton is, I mean, honestly, maybe even a better player than DeAndre Ayton at this point in some ways. And then you just have like this insane amount of three and D wing depth. You have like a, a spark plug six man, maybe in the best case scenario uh, for him and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and, and, and even if you have to move a few guys in a deal, like, again, like someone like Yuta, who's out of the rotation now turned himself into a really good player this year. Like there was a reason, I mean, what, what was the stretch for the Nets? They were like 17 and two. There was a reason, like they were arguably the best team in the NBA with a healthy Kevin Durant with a healthy Kyrie Irving. Like, do you think there's any desire to say like, all right, we have all these extra first round picks. Like let's, let's go turn them into something. Or is it more so, um, Let's let's do this kind of low and slow and 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 I guess kind of complete what the ideal was when when Sean Marks first took over. Yeah, I think I don't think they're gonna rush back in anything. I think remember it's not extra first round picks. It's almost a normal allotment, but just not yeah. with the Nexus, right? It's instead um, with with Phoenixes. So I think the star the problem is, you know, one you're putting all the eggs in, into a basket, and that basket is not going to be as good as Kevin Durant's, right? So regardless of whoever they get it's just not going to be KD at the level that he's played uh, in a Brooklyn uniform. So, you know, they couldn't win a championship with that team. Obviously there was a lot of, um, you know, outside factors there, injuries, everything that happened with, with Kyrie Irving, KD. Some stuff happened with Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. Just, just one, just one or two minor things. Um, hmm. if you haven't been following, but so I, I just don't think there's um, especially this season or this off season, um, you know, any, any interest in getting back to that. So I think, Let's see how things go. They obviously have a couple young guys that I think they want to see how it plays out, right? Claxton obviously is established. Cam Thomas is probably the biggest X factor there. You have guys like, um, you know, I'm surprised they didn't flip any of their wings, actually. So when you look at the rest of this team, there is a, a makings of a good, like, 3 through 10 uh, from a depth standpoint. But, uh, you know, I'm sh I'd be shocked if all these guys are on the roster next season. I think they're going to look to flip a couple of these folks for picks. All right. And uh, what I, I guess what what's we'll, we'll wrap on this, but what what element of this team has you most optimistic right now and like most excited to watch both the rest of the season and, and going beyond that? I think the defense is really exciting. I mean, Brunson got going basically as soon as the first few subs were made. But when Bridges was on him in those first five or six minutes and he and Claxton was getting switched on to him, I was actually getting really pumped up because the Nets were swarming everywhere. You know, Dinwiddie, I think reputation as a defender is probably a little bit better than he actually is but it's fun especially after watching you know Harden for not as many games as I would have liked Kyrie you know some of these other guys to actually just see a team that's going to try on defense has a bunch of grinders Bridges and Johnson have a great chemistry together so I'm really excited for that and then Claxton's like my favorite player that we've had in a while so very excited just to, to see how this team coalesces I'm probably gonna be pulling my hair out a lot more than than I, than I was um uh, when, when we still had, when we still had KD, but I think it'll be a fun ride. And also to see how Jock Vaughn does as a coach with a team that's, you know, not as, as ready made as it was pre-deadline. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought he did a great job um, taking over for Steve Nash this year. And, and, and again, I'm not, not trying to rub salt in the, in the wound, but I was like that points uh, watching them with my roommate is you both know as a big Nets fan, like I was like, wow, they're incredible and and there's still there's still something there in terms of a fun team uh before i let you go um i i, I know you pretty well so i i i know you don't really have anything to promote but I, I don't know you want to talk about your roommates like rug factory you want to talk about uh 
<laughs> your friend Rob's charity. Any, any, any anything you want to shout out uh, on, Ooh, on, on the sacred locked on airways? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, Equal Education Fund. Um, mm. My friend Rob Goldberg does does great work there. So give them a follow on Instagram. I believe it is at Equal Education Fund, but they do really awesome work for um, high, local high school students in the DC area. So that's a that's a good reminder, Gav. You're you're getting kind of a partial plug on that one. Yeah, wow. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be elated. Might 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 get me a, a late late wedding invite there. But and, and until next time, uh, he's he's my good friend Josh Bass. I'm Gavin Shaw. This was Locked On Nick. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll we'll have you covered on a pod tomorrow. Maybe maybe making some bold predictions for the second half of the season, and then we'll have you covered with the Hawks game before the All Star break. Um, but until then, be good. We'll talk to you soon on Locked On Nick's.